Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right. Number one, John. Yes. Uh, you have a new sub in here. I do have a new sub in here. And I heard our drum uh, intro coming through the sub. Yeah. Which it's is pretty it's, cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, sounds sounds. Second punchy. of all, I heard a bit of creepy music still from last week. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> and I will swap that out before this goes out to anyone, so no one will be the wiser. All right. And and if you hadn't brought attention to it, no one would have ever known. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I should leave the creepy music from last week. That's and, right. Uh, and that way, it makes sense the conversation we're having right now. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can follow us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right. John, this week, yeah. this is episode... Uh, 130. 130? Yeah, dude, we're creeping right along towards 150. Wow, that's wild. Holy cow. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about... Uh, we're doing a Halo 5 review. That's what's happening. Yes. You, over the last few days, the since I... Halo has, has come out, you've been playing through uh, campaign and uh, and getting your, getting your Halo... I was I don't know what I was doing. I was I was gonna say like something like you're getting your feet wet, but then I was also doing something with my hands. So it was yeah. like you're getting your hands yeah. wet in in Halo. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, all that. You should, but, we should probably get you a towel so you can dry off your hands. Yeah, I've, I've had have my hands all in Halo. Yeah, so like I've been playing Halo, um, which uh, it is actually I feel like I was kind of using it as um, therapy almost. Yeah. For whenever I stabbed my hand, if you've been listening to the podcast, if you, you know a few weeks ago, I described how I stabbed my hand an inch and a half. A few into weeks. My that hand. was last week. That wasn't last that week. That was last week's no. episode. It was absolutely last week's episode. Really? It was. Oh, man. All right, so if you listened last week, <laughs> I talked flies. about how I stabbed my hand. Yeah, time flies when you're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, and so, but like, so, um, like, the few days after that happened, like, I couldn't play uh, video games. Could because, you not? No, because it hurt, dude. Okay, like, so, maneuvering like... Maneuvering my, my thumb around, and mm. my, especially, it was the trigger, and then, like, jumping with the, with the uh, this finger, even this motion still kind of So hurts. how would it hurt? Does it hurt, like, muscularly? Like, you rip some yeah, muscle it, up yeah, in it's, there? Yeah, it's, like, inside where, like, like occasionally, uh, this is, occasionally, there would be like a tearing feeling inside Ooh. where it feels like I was like something else was separating that shouldn't mm. have been. So or maybe I, as it healed, it was like uh, fusing to other muscles in there where it shouldn't be, and then whenever you move it, it it jars it loose. Possibly it was basically just this motion. Like I couldn't could be do. a lot of scar like, I tissue in there. Dude. I could do anything else, and this motion was not good. I just squeezing my hand, and so um, and, and even yeah, you know, this right. is the audio, audio podcast saying this yeah, motion this here. This motion, you here. know, just uh, so obviously your hand puppet routine uh, took a took a nosedive. Yeah, my in quality. Cool, yeah, my career as a Jim Henson Muppet. <laughs> Uh, person, <laughs> whatever you call that, I don't know. It was non-existent. Yeah, they denied me. Uh, speaking of, of, there's a little bit of news on the uh, the Muppets front. Um, that was your pick of the week a while back. It was uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they've re- like given them a full season, but not like a full full season. It's a, a, like an 18 episode season. So yeah. it's uh, so they they uh, have given them the green light. Get it, you know, Kermit the Frog. I'm sorry. Um, but they give them the green light to do uh, to do a full season uh, order. So yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. also, I think with the showrunner left uh, as well um, due to creative differences. So like it, when this was like today. Um, what? Yeah. The, Can you uh, verify that? I will verify. Okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that they had. Um, so it's it's still a, a small season. It's a short season. It's the thirteen episode season. Uh, so they yeah they extended it to thirteen episodes. Basically, like they were like, well, we have mid season shows that. Um, need to take its place, so that's why it's only 13 episodes. Yeah, so I'm verifying here. 
Yes, so this is from Deadline. It says, Muppets showrunner uh, Bob Cushel exits as series heads for reboot. So um, Reboot? That's what it says here on the on the title. What do they mean by reboot? I don't know. Um, so it says... Why don't you read that while I uh, while I talk about unless it's already there? No, no, you're good. I mean, I, I have I have it pulled up. I can read okay. the entire article. All right, if let's you just want. read the whole, whole All article. All right, so here we go. This is from uh, Nelly Andriva uh, of Deadline. Uh, says there is a behind the scenes shakeup on ABC's freshman comedy series The Muppets. Gone is co creator, executive producer, and showrunner Bob Cushel, um, and Kristen Newman is in. Uh, negotiations to succeed him as new showrunner under her overall deal at ABC Studios, the studio that produces the Muppets. Uh, and so it says the move is part of a creative overhaul of the freshman comedy, which is expected to take a hiatus after finishing episode 10 for a reboot. ABC recently ordered three more episodes, bringing the Muppets first season to 16 episodes uh, tend to air in the fall and the other sticks mid season after a winter hiatus. The spring will likely uh, spring run will likely be treated as a relaunch. So they're saying it's likely to be treated as a relaunch. Uh, I, kinda, I don't, I, mean, I really don't think that it, a reboot is the proper terminology here. I think that's a little exaggerated. Wait, what does relaunch mean? Well, I mean like, uh, so it was, it was the, uh, the excuse that was used, um, for why he was leaving was creative differences. I know, but what with, does that mean? With, uh, the big bang theories, uh, Bill Prady. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Prady, executive producer of big bang theories, Bill Prady. So like there was a creative differences, quote unquote, hmm. um, between where they saw the show going, uh, moving forward. So interesting. I don't know. Like, it seems weird to have this, this thing and it's obviously successful because the, uh, this picked up for an extra six episodes. Yeah. It's, 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 um, I think I, uh, I read the other day that it's the most successful, uh, new comedy on television. Yeah. So it it doesn't make any sense to like reboot it or to shake it up too much. No. Um, but I mean, creative differences, who knows what that means? Like that could mean any number of things. Maybe he wanted Kermit to be blue. I mean, that's definitely a different creative uh, move. I feel like he's a yeah. different frog at that point. You know, I mean, he was obviously. on those pistachio commercials. Because yes, pistachios, pistachio, whatever that I just said, those are green pistachios. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so anyway so that was uh that's some 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 news anyway yeah that was some news from, cool. from today so what have you been up to john um so other than fixing the sub uh that uh that i i did some awesome soldering work on and yes. uh and fixed um last night and i was super excited about it. other than that i've been playing some destiny trying to trying to basically bide my time mm. until call of duty black ops 3 Lots comes out biting tomorrow uh actually tomorrow uh, night tomorrow night so it, we're recording this uh on um wednesday yes and uh so it'll go up on friday so if, if it's up on friday i'm 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 already uh, a few hours in yes to playing some uh some black ops 3 so uh uh let's let's walk down this road for a second yeah what are we gonna play first um, it depends. There's like, campaign. There is campaign. It's, and it's co-op. Campaign. It is a co-op campaign. All right. Four there's player. also multiplayer. There's multiplayer. Um, and then there's zombies. There is zombies. What are we, what are we doing first? So time? I think it depends on who is online and, okay. uh, it's and it's going to be me, you and Ike who has been on the podcast before. Yep. What, what, uh. What do we so, do first? Zombies. If he's online, if, if like you he has everything installed, I, th- I feel like I'm going to dive right into zombies. Mm. Um, but then mm. if he's like, because I feel like he's getting his, I already pre-ordered mine and pre-downloaded it. Yeah, like I'm it's pre-loaded onto my, uh, my Xbox. And I, let me tell you, it took forever. 
Like it took a long time to download. Mm. Um, I started it last night at about 10 p.m., something mm-hmm. like that. And then it, all the way up until this morning uh, at about mm, 10, 10 in the morning so or so. So it took 12 hours? So it took about 12 hours to actually download. Yeesh. And even this morning, like I don't know when it actually finished because it, it, 12 hours later, it was only at like 80%. Oh, but there's man. A lot so it took of longer stuff. than 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, so it took longer than 12 hours. So like, there's a lot of stuff to download. I also don't know what my internet was like overnight because yeah. sometimes late at night, I will say that since moving, we moved recently, since moving, sometimes in the middle of the night, the internet will take a dive. Hmm. Um, but I was obviously also using the internet to, to watch videos and stuff overnight, to, you know, or, yeah. or uh, in the evening yeah. um, after initiating the download. So I don't know. I just don't know how much things slowed it down. And then I also don't know. So I don't know what the server load is going to be uh, on Friday because he's getting his from GameStop. Ike is getting his from GameStop. And so he's going to be starting the download at 5 p.m. tomorrow. And so uh, so if it, you know, if my experience is his experience, then it's going to take uh, until about 5 a.m. So we may not be playing actually with him tomorrow night. I'm not sure. Uh, so if he, you know, until his gets all, right, all the way downloaded. There, if he's not there, what, then it's what multi- are you and I doing? It's all about multiplayer. All multiplayer. Yeah. I'm just going to rock the multiplayer because it's like you can't, you, there's a learning curve on that. Not you know? co-op campaign. Oh, so you want to be one of the first. Yeah, I want to be, I want to be in there uh, customizing my, my person and uh, unlocking gear. So that way I'm not I super like far behind. I remember uh, last year I watched, um, oh, there's a lot of, and there will be tomorrow too, so I'll probably watch that throughout the day, a lot of Twitch streamers starting in Australia nice. who will start streaming Call of Duty whenever it releases, yeah. and uh, I hope to learn some good strategies, maybe like maybe learn the maps a little bit better that way yeah. uh, by watching them earlier in the day. Well, there was the beta earlier this year, and what's, what's interesting yeah, about that- Yeah, it was just that, a couple maps. Yeah, though. it was two maps, uh, three maps actually, I think. There was one that didn't come up very often, but- uh, I went into that beta not being super pumped about it. Like I was like, ah, I know it's another Call of Duty. I wasn't really wasn't into last year's or the year before that. So like they had two misses basically in in my book. And then um, so I was going into the beta. I was like, ah, I'll see how it is. And uh, and if I you know I hadn't pre-ordered at the point. And then so whenever I started playing the beta. I immediately was like, no, this is this is where it should be. Like, this is the multiplayer in this feels amazing. So I'm uh, I'm very excited about it, man. I'm very pumped. Yeah, dude, I am too. Um, okay, cool. Well, I mean, all I've been up to really is just playing the Halo. Yeah, and um, and we'll dive into that later. That's, yeah, that's that's about it. Speaking of Ike, he, yes. g- he gave us a good topic today. Ah, yes. For stay on topic. Stay on topic. All right, Chris, hit me with a topic. All right, so Ike wants to know our thoughts on Xbox 360 games going up in resale value after the November 9th announcement. So for some context, uh, at E3, Microsoft announced backwards compatibility coming to the Xbox One for Xbox 360 games. Mm -hmm. And uh, on November 9th, we now know they're going to release the list of the first 100 Xbox 360 games that will be available to play on the Xbox One. And then later that week, on the 12th, backwards compatibility hits Xbox One. And yeah. so will those games be worth more slash cost more whenever you go to buy them in the the, uh, the bin at GameStop? Yeah, so I, I mean, like, first impulse on this one is that 
I don't think GameStop, I mean, you don't you barely get almost anything from GameStop whenever you trade a game in if it's old. And being like last gen games, most of the games that they're going to announce are going to be older. And so maybe it'll go up by a few cents if you're trading in it, maybe it'll go up by a dollar, maybe you're, maybe a few dollars, but it's not going to really like double in uh, the amount that if you have all these games sitting around like 360 games and you bring them to GameStop mm-hmm. and say how much credit can I get for this? Mm-hmm. I really don't see that number skyrocketing. Yeah. However, I feel like it might it it might the demand for these games these hundred games mm-hmm. out of the entire catalog of the Xbox 360 mm-hmm. uh, lifespan like which is how many games would you say like thousands of games Oh I mean I don't like know, a thousand games yeah. I mean however oh, yeah. many games it oh, is way over a thousand Yeah it's like thousands of games so you have like I feel like the 100 that they announced will probably go up in demand. Like people will be going to their GameStop, seeing if they can find them used, buying them on Amazon used, wherever. Yeah. And so I feel like that market is probably going to be um, the, it'll be less um, availability of these games. Like yeah. people will be snatching them up. Yeah. That's basically where I'm at. Like, and I, I'm going to use um, my uh, previous experience with original Xbox games on a 360 mm. as a reference point for this. And so what, determined the price of those games if they were backwards compatible and you could play them on your 360 what determined the price of those games was how many were released and or bought in the first place so like how many are in the wild you know so something like uh halo 2 that was pretty easy to grab and uh and get a hold of and Mm. um, get a copy of it was probably i think it was around 20 bucks okay but like right now um for instance you know let's Stop for a second and compare that to current Xbox 360 prices at GameStop. Like there, I mean, there's a ton of like even just year old games that are like three dollars, six dollars yeah. at GameStop oh, yeah. because you have to have a 360 to play it. And people are moving to the Xbox One. The um, as things become available, I think that things will become more valuable. I don't think this first batch of hundred games. I don't think any of them are going to be super rare. Yeah. games um, because number one they want the the list to be probably something you have in your your collection already yeah so that everyone can say oh I I'm taking advantage of the Xbox uh, one backwards compatibility a lot of them are Microsoft like it's pretty much I think they said every first party game is going to be available so we're talking all the halos and gears of war and all that kind of stuff everything basically um, except for connect games I think are going to be uh, be released from the first party. No, not the Connect <laughs> games. Um, so yeah, that's a really good point. That like the the entire purpose of the backwards compatibility and especially the games that they're releasing early on is to get your like 360 players to upgrade to Xbox One. It's to say yeah. whenever you do decide to upgrade, you know your your system um, to the next gen. You already, if you already have like all these games you already own yep. on the, the Xbox One, why wouldn't you just buy that? Like as it yep. as it stood before backwards compatibility was announced and, and all that, it's you know it's it really doesn't affect you whether if you jump from 360 over to PlayStation, yeah. Because it's like none of those games you couldn't play your 360 games on your PlayStation anyway. You couldn't right. play your 360 games on your One anyway, your Xbox One, and so why not just go over to the PlayStation? Right. Um, as it stands now, it's like that's incentivizing people if you have uh, you know. If you have a large portion of these hundred games, um, you're gonna want to maybe switch over to the Xbox One instead. So targeting games, making this 100 games, and, and honestly, for the first few months of this, the the games that they choose, if they target those at the largest games on you know last gen, then it benefits them. Yeah, you know. I mean, you and I like last week we almost almost published a story 
um, about uh, it was a supposed leak of yeah. the first 100 games, and we'll see if that's accurate next week. We like we couldn't we couldn't uh, we unverifiable. Couldn't, yeah, we, well, we couldn't verify it in terms of having another source that uh, was putting that out there. So we were yeah. like, okay, let's not show it. But like. You know, if the list is even comparable to that, you yeah. know, where it's like, okay, yeah, you have all the Halos, you have all the Gears of War, everyone's going to have one of those games, probably. And then, you know, you have, uh, you know, it's rumored that we'll have Bioshock on there, Bioshock yeah. Infinite, for sure. Like, that's one of the games that, like, we've, uh, on this show, we've been uh, asking for um, for a, sure. a remake of. But it'll be cool, like, you've never played it. Yeah, like, I've never played it. And uh, the other will thing that it, make you go play it? Oh, absolutely. And here's the other side of this, is that for games with gold, like, right? So, yeah. so they've been doing games with gold. Yeah. And all of, the, like, a lot of the games with gold games, since when was it? It was, like, around E3. They said anything in between, like, about June and now, anything they had on games with gold on the 360 is also available, is going to be available in backwards compatibility. Uh, yeah, they well, they said, like, so... Yes, they said. Uh, I think it was a, it was a comment by Phil Spencer, and Phil, um, someone was asking him about the backwards compatibility and games with gold and stuff like that, and uh, he said, "Yeah, like, I've been wanting, I've been wanting to tell people about backwards compatibility because you know, like Xbox yeah. One owners, because I wanted to say, you know, like, hey, make sure even though you're on Xbox One, you're downloading the 360 games because you'll be able to play those on your Xbox One later. You know, so yeah. I think eventually they'll all come. What they've said now." Um, about games of gold specifically, whenever Major Nelson released it on his website, um, is that the uh, the the games for gold 360 games available uh, in November? Gotcha. From then on, like every single month, when they release as game part of games of nice. gold, they will be a part of the the backwards compatibility library. That's which awesome. Is, which is amazing because you know you think about. Um, the value for that, you know, yeah. like, okay, you're doing, I'm not necessarily going to go back to my 360 and, and play some of these games, you know, like for sure it's, it's sitting in my bedroom. I play it like very rarely whenever I'm just like chilling, like, you know, before bed or something like that. For sure. Um, but whenever these games are sitting on my Xbox one, you know, I'll, I'll pick up dishonored or whatever. If it's, if it's one of the games and then play Absolutely. that, you know, like it's, it, it, it'll end up being like where we're basically getting, Four games every single month that we can play on our Xbox One. Oh yeah, dude, and it's like the value of that, even on uh, even over with like PlayStation Plus. Sometimes they have like bigger games or or newer games and that sort of thing, but they don't all play on the same system. Like it's spread yeah. over the the uh, you know your Vita, your, pl- your PlayStation Three, and your PlayStation Four. It's like yeah. if it's available on your uh, PlayStation Three, you can't really touch it unless you fire up your PlayStation Three. So I mean, there's you know I don't know. It's, it just seems like consolidating everything to the the one console is just is a great idea. Yeah. Um. But anyway, back to uh, back to the point from before. I actually picked up uh, Bioshock Infinite via Games with Gold back ah. in July whenever nice. they whenever they had it. So. So um, that was one of those that I, I like downloaded it and I was going to start it. And I yeah. was like, wait a second. I don't know if I want to do this yet. Yeah. Maybe it'll be in backwards compatibility. <laughs> so if, if uh, yeah. yeah, if it's part of it, then immediately like you just like be able to download it and, and play it, which, oh man, like so good. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see that list um, and to, uh, to pick up some of these games and play them. Um, maybe, maybe not necessarily again, um, yeah. You know, like there's, it's rumored that like Red Dead Redemption will be on there, and it's like yeah. that's cool. I've already hundred percented that. I don't know that I'll go back and replay it on the one. Yeah. Um, but a game that I haven't played, I'll be 
it'll be I'll be yeah I'll be really incentivized to go back and play that yeah and you'll get the achievements for it and all that stuff yeah. it's just awesome that, that this is going on um, something about the pricing uh, I think that as as this goes on and as more um, games get put on this list Again, I, th- I feel like eventually you're going to get to the point where um, demand for the used copies of it is going to go up. Um, and if, like you said, if there's a l- not a lot of them out in the wild, then you know it, prices could go up. Yeah. You know, but I think that that's not something that will happen immediately. It will happen more like it does for older like uh, console games. Like I have uh, the, my 3DS, right, and it plays DS games. Um, there are some DS games that are like the price of a, a used copy or whatever, is, is, and even new copies is super high. Um, like if you get one of the mainline Pokemon games from back on the DS, it can be over a hundred dollars uh, to buy one of those, and that's just based on like a lot of people want to play those games. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want those games. There's only a certain number of them that exist in the world, yeah. And so it's just a kind of a supply and demand thing. But that didn't happen immediately, um, and that those prices are only going up for those games right now. So I don't know. I mean, it's it, over time. I feel like it could cause things to go up a little bit, but it will also depend on are these games available on Xbox Live digitally? You know, very so, true. For instance, if they are, then you have a cap. Like whatever. Like if it, you know, most of the old Xbox 360 titles are available for 19.99 on Xbox Live, and Excellent so point. you know what that's going to basically be like, okay, it's not going to be more than that because right. like who's going to pay more than that and go to like GameStop and you know, where you can get it for cheaper on Xbox Live. And for so sure. That will probably be the cap. And I would, you know, it'll be interesting to see because we'll be able to buy them now from the, the Xbox One game store and download them, you know, digitally if we want to. Yeah. Um, supposedly all of them. I would, you know, it just kind of depends. Like, is it, you know, most of the 360 titles were, uh, um, were available digitally anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and pretty so, much all of them except for the, like the early ones. Right, right. And so, you know, like, yeah, something like, well, even the early ones, I feel like, you know, full games eventually came there. And so true. I think that will probably be the cap. But, you know, for instance, paying, you know, $20 for a used game that we're now paying $3 for, right. that's a huge jump. You well, know? That's, that's, that is a big jump. You're right. I mean, and and then, you know, again, thinking about the Pokemon thing that I just said, that those games are never available digitally. Like the, uh, the right. DS games, uh, they haven't made those a part of their digital um, games catalog. Uh, so you can't buy those games anywhere besides physically. So that's yeah. why the prices are so inflated on those, so, so large. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I do see that the, that's going to be the case. What's the store? I don't even know what the store is going to look like whenever you go into your kind of backwards compatibility. Like whenever you start looking around on your the Xbox 360 side of your Xbox One, you know, is it is the things that you can download or buy, are they only going to be the things that are available in backwards compatibility? Or is it going to be the entire store and you just kind of have to look into and see if it's on that list? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point because the way that backwards compatibility is... Um, being described that it works is um, I forget what buttons you press. Maybe both the yeah. menu and view button, and yeah. then it jumps over to the 360 dashboard. Basically, yeah. um, I don't know if it, how instantaneous it is. I forgot in the video I watched. I mean, but, it's like an emulator of the old operating system, right? Right. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, okay, whenever we buy something for that, you know, how does that work? You know, uh, right. The rare collection, I think, was kind of the, the the precursor of like how will this work kind of a thing because yeah. a lot of those those games were actually um, um, you had to, you could download them from the internet, I believe, and so like it would have to download onto your console. Hmm. But in it, but those weren't necessarily running the full Xbox 
360 dashboard. So right. I don't know. It'll, that's that's a good question. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Like, do we buy them from the Xbox One dashboard store? Yeah. Or do we buy them from the Xbox 360 dashboard store? Or and do you, you know, so, yeah, is it going to be that confusing where it's like, yeah. well, you know, it says I can buy, um, I don't know what X game. Yeah, but X Fable. game isn't back backwards compatible. But that's not know? really backwards compatible. The cave. Let's just say the yeah. cave. You know, like, but that game's not backwards compatible. But so I buy it on there, and then. I can't play it on there, and it's like that's a little shady. Yeah, that seems weird. It seems like that that infrastructure would be for strange. confusion. Yeah, and so uh, so you know, I, I'm interested to see how all that works. Like whenever whenever it does launch, how confusing is it? How easy is it for uh, the consumer to use and uh, to to actually be able to dig in there? Um, of course, with the new dashboard uh, that we're getting. Um, it probably will be a little bit more clear. Um, so you don't kind of have this uh, designed thing. The dashboard, the current dashboard, it feels like it was designed specifically for the launch Xbox One. And so, you know, whenever they bring in this new update, uh, the new dashboard, which looks awesome, hopefully everything kind of works a little bit um, more flawlessly where you can go back and forth between these two dashboards. Yeah. So, Yeah. Okay, so we've arrived at our Star Wars moment yes, for the week. This is right. part of the uh, Stay on Target Road to the Force Awakens. That's right. As we're... of right this very second that we were recording, I'm, mm. I'm going to give us a, uh, a rundown how long it's going to be before we are watching the opening scene of Star Wars. Are you using the, the official Awakens. Star Wars app for this? Uh, no, I'm using... Uh, I've set this up for our specific showtime oh, and everything. So it's, nice. this is us. Okay. This is for ours. This is, uh, it is one month, 12 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and now 16 seconds. Oh, man. That's crazy. Uh, so my, my Star Wars moment of the week, it's um, um, one of my... I think one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. In Ooh. my favorite Star Wars movie. Ooh. And my favorite Star Wars film is Return of the Jedi. Yeah. All right. It's, it's been my favorite, like, since I first saw it, and uh, I mean, it's got everything. You know, it's got speeder bikes. It's got... The speeder um, bikes are very important to got, why it's awesome. It's got the, the, the triumph over good and evil. Oh, my gosh. It's got this cool ground war going on. Like, um, Hoth had a ground war as well, but, like, I, I really like the intrigue, and Han is really leading this and all that kind of stuff. Well, plus, also, you've got, like, multiple uh, multiple fires going at the same time, or, yes. like, it, it, you're spinning plates, because, right. like, one thing has to happen before the other thing happens, but it's like, this can't happen, and right. so there's, like, three things going on at the same time. Yes. Um, but one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars is the moment when C-3PO becomes uh, a deity <laughs> to the Ewoks. Yes. <laughs> and, st- and starts floating up in the air and um, they start worshiping him as a god and uh, he uses his power to convince them to help out the Rebel Alliance. That's one of my favorite points. I was talking today with, uh, with a friend of the podcast, Ian Collins. He was on the 100th episode, Chris. He was. And uh, he did a fantastic job uh, helping me with the video with that. Um, and he, uh, we were talking about um, the first movie and he was saying, you know, like, he's like, really? He's like, this, you can almost like see this as um, a story about C-3PO and, and R2-D2. Yep. It's like, I've heard that argument made before. Like, yeah, this whole series, honestly, like yeah. you could construe it to be about the droids, you know? Yeah. Because it starts with them. Um, they, you know, C-3PO has more speaking lines in Empire than almost anyone. And uh, they really, like, they're they're omnipresent throughout the entire series. 
you think about like the the character that's been in almost every single no yeah every single movie has had C three PO and R two D two in it yeah well I mean and it follows them like you see uh R two like really you know kind of early on in that first movie and then you meet like C three PO right whenever he's being made right. and like all of this stuff and so anyway the uh, What's funny, there is a podcast, uh, and so if anybody wants to check it out, it's a, it's a good podcast. If you're really, really, really into Star Wars and want to go into a lot of the stuff into it, there's a, it's the Star Wars Minute. Mm. Um, and so what they do is they take, for each episode of the podcast, they take a one-minute segment of Star Wars and take it one minute at a time through the movies. Mm. Um, anyway, so like in the, in the first minute of the uh, thing, they, they were talking, uh, they made the reference that for the first few minutes of this original like Star Wars, mm-hmm. you could you don't encounter someone you could potentially be encountering all robots because it's like everybody either has a mask on other than the people who are lining up to, you know, get with these weird looking helmets to get killed right. or whatever. Like, but the main <laughs> characters, the main, uh, bad dude, you know, he could be a robot cause it's, it's, right, uh, right. it's, it's Darth Vader. The stormtroopers is like, who knows what they are. Yeah. And then, uh, and then R2D2 and, and C and C3PO, like the movie is about them for the first like few minutes of the movie. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, they're, they're integral, Chris. Oh, they are integral. I mean, cause even, you know, like whenever, you know, they go down to Tatooine, you follow them to get to Luke. You're right. Like, that's how you get to Luke. Is, yeah. Is through the droids. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a really cool storytelling device and it's cool that they're there the whole time and the backstory is really cool. But I, you know, to me, it just comes to a head whenever he, <laughs> uh, they basically start worshiping him and he's, he's like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know I had it in me. You know, it's, <laughs> he doesn't attribute it to Luke. He attributes it to like, Oh, I didn't know I could do that, but well, I guess I can. <laughs> I guess I have the capability to yeah. cover. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's my star Wars moment. I love it. All right, John. Halo 5! We're going to talk about Halo 5 for a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, spoiler-free section. Um, are we going to do a spoiler countdown officially before yeah, there, there will we be. get like, into some spoilers? Yeah, or th- are you just going to announce that there's spoilers? No, no, no. I'll, uh, so, I'll talk spoiler-free for a while, and okay. um, I will talk about the story little later like i'm okay. going to talk about gameplay mechanics and stuff like that and kind of things that you do and so so if so if that's an important part to keep secret until you pull up the game right then then turn it off but yeah right. other, otherwise that you're good to go and I, I never find that gameplay stuff is really that spoilery yeah unless there's something really right. like if you want to go super fresh into this then you yeah. should have played it already of course i'm, I'm not talking to you i'm just talking I know. To everyone yes I, I realize. I'm agreeing with you, Chris. Okay. I second your opinion. All right. So Halo 5, continuation of um, basically, so like the way they've, they've set this up with Halo 5 is that it's a continuation of the story set forth in Halo 4. And so okay. in terms of like, we're still fighting, we, we're fighting um, two different enemy types. And so instead of... Uh, you know, in the first trilogy, it was always the Covenant and the Flood. Right. And in Halo 5, it's the uh, the Covenant and the Prometheans. Yeah. And so they're back. And uh, I, I, comparing this to Halo 4, yeah. um, the uh, the gameplay is similar, but it's um, it's also different. Like, I've, Halo 4 very much felt like it was a, a testing ground, you know, to me. Like, they yeah. were, you know, the Covenant weapons and enemies felt a little more thought out. They felt a little more um, uh, developed, whereas the, uh, the Promethean enemies did not. Mm. Um, and so... You know, they they felt like, okay, you know, this gun's okay, but everything feels really good now. Like, they've fine-tuned these guns. Um, you, you've got, you know, even on the uh, the UNSC side, you know, you've got your, your regular 
battle rifle and you've got the uh, the the DMR mm. and you've got the machine gun, you've got your pistol, you got the rocket launcher. I think there was a rocket launcher in there. Yeah. But, you know, uh I, th- I will say, you know, like with K- Halo 4, they kind of started this it almost felt like it's Halo Halo on Call of Duty is what it felt like. Ah. And that continues in terms of the way that the the guns handle and feel and yeah. shooting feels. Um, so it's it's a much tighter experience than previous Halo games, I would say. It's less floaty even yeah. um, in general. Uh, Which movement. I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of more of that snappy kind of uh, yeah. aiming and the, those kind of gunplay mechanics right. rather than the floaty thing, uh, you know, and, and the looser, not in a bad way, but looser, just different uh, type of mechanics of Halos previously. So Yeah. And and so the the gunplay and that and that translates over to multiplayer as well. Multiplayer. Yeah. Um we uh, we talked about the beta. Uh we, we can I can put that in the show notes at standardpodcast.com. Yeah. Almost a year ago. Yep. At this point. Uh, they uh it, they fixed a lot of things since the beta and the beta and the uh the multiplayer feels really, really good. Um it's really balanced. Uh there are some crazy skilled people on there right now and uh so like prepare to be thrashed. Whenever you go in and so, are destroyed, yeah. So, so you know that learning curve that I was talking yes. about with uh, with Call of Duty that I want yes. to avoid and be on the cutting edge of. <laughs> um, that's going to be the the case in in Halos. It, whenever I end up getting in there, it's like no, you're just going to be <laughs> shut down. Yeah. Um, I always wait for uh, with competitive shooters. I always wait for like try to get on board early, or you kind of wait for that that flood of uh, post Christmas. Uh, players that come in, Post you know, Christmas noobs. Yeah, where it's like you can either sneak in and like be a part of the 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 noobs, or if you got on early, you can just go in and, and just clean out, you know, yeah. clean house. So yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the 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 campaign as a whole, um, I think the the story is very cohesive. Um, you do like as the box art indicates, you switch perspectives between Chief and Locke. Yeah, and that's the thing that they've been doing in their advertising all along. Is like I, I was thinking that that would probably be the case, but I, until now, I had no idea. Yeah, and so what it does is it kind of opens up the Halo world, and mm. and it doesn't feel as as focused. So I think that's a trade off, but mm. it feels uh, more complex and more developed mm. in terms. You know, I think the last. It's interesting. Uh, Halo One. Yep was just Master Chief. Halo 2, then you you switch between Master Chief and Arbiter all the right. time. And then um, Halo 3 was mainly just Master Chief, or if you had a, uh, uh, a buddy, he was the Arbiter. I was always so the Arbiter. Halo 4 focused pretty much solely on Master Chief again. And now Halo uh, 5 switches between Master Chief and Locke. So it's that kind of like the middle game. It's like, okay, we're going to switch perspectives here. And uh, I, I really kind of like the way that works. And um, I like the way that it, it – I mean, this is a trilogy. So that, like, they're obviously setting up for the next one as well. And I, re- I, lo- I like how they set up for the next one. Um, it's definitely a uh, – um, it's I, I can see the full picture now, I guess. After Halo, Halo 4, it kind of felt like – I don't know where this is going, you know, like, or if it's going anywhere. It didn't really feel, you know, it felt like it was, it left some strings um, open, you know, like, uh, I'm a spoilers for Halo 4. You know, Halo 4 ends and um, Cortana's gone off with uh, whoever it was, the Promethean that you're kind of chasing um, uh, through that game. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it's kind of like, well, that's, that is a cliffhanger, but. I didn't see how it would how it lead into the next one. This one, like by the end, I see how it's going to lead into the next one, and it's like 
Cool. That's really cool. And, and it's it, it's reminiscent of Halo 2. Mm. I think it's it's interesting that there's all these kind of callbacks to Halo 2 in terms of like the you know the switching perspectives and the way that the story builds and ends yeah. and uh, the kind of arc that they're telling. Uh it's it's really cool. The the Prometheans in terms of en- enemies are uh, a lot more fun to fight this time around. Good. Before they felt like just like unbearably hard. Yeah. I will say that um, that changes a little bit whenever it comes to the boss. Okay. Um, there is a, a boss that you encounter in this game, and I'll go into this a little more in the spoiler section, you know, uh, you, but like the way that you deal with him um, can be on the frustrating side. Hmm. Does uh, it slow down the pace of things? And that is that the issue, or is it more like, oh, maybe this is more for the spoiler section? I mean, is it spoiler? Like, basically, I, I'll tell you how to, how to defeat him. Is that okay. spoilerish? Um, maybe. So let's okay, save we'll that for the spoiler, spoiler section. So I'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. Um, and so, with the exception of him, though, the the um, the the enemies are really really fun to cool. fight, and uh, they are actually, uh, I would think, you know. They're different, you know, like you're used to, if you're used to Halo and even Halo 4, you know, playing through that, like on Legendary or something like yeah. that, um, you could, you could kind of just, uh, just do your thing and bust through. But this ain't, this, this game, the maps feel more open. They're, they feel a little more like almost quote unquote open world. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you can take, it's basically, and by that, I mean, you can approach any scenario by several different ways. Yeah. In, in the past, Halo has felt very, very like directed, like tunneled. You, yeah. c- you come in a door, you, you fight this room and you get through the other door. The, this one, honestly, I played through this. Um, I played a, a, a level on legendary just so I would know kind of what it felt, felt like. And then I played the rest of it on normal and, uh, on normal, you could you didn't have to clear a you know every single room you go in, go into. Interesting. Like if it's like you have to make it from here to there. You just make it from here to there. So you, you just know? jog. You just jog, but like it's not like it's easy. It's yeah. just like you know you uh, you can you don't have to you know clear the whole room before it will let you through. Which cool. is A little different from um, uh, other stories. There's also like a couple times in the story where where they make you flank positions, like you make you go a different you know it's like this big kind of map. You walk in and you're blocked, and so like you know you could go through this way, but it would be really hard. Or you go you know and find an alternate route. That's cool. So I kind of like that. The other big change is that this is four player co-op. Yeah, and uh, with the with the note that it's four player online co-op. Yeah, no, they don't have any kind of local. Multiplayer, yeah, not even not even in the co-op campaign, which is unfortunate because like you and I on a lot of the other ones, we played them couch co-op. Oh yeah, um, and even even uh, Halo Three specifically, I played through that twice, once with you, mm-hmm. um, and then once with uh, once with Cody Moffat. He's been on the podcast here before. Yeah, and the one with Cody Moffat was like I was just over at his house, and he was like, "This is a really hard level. Can you come <laughs> and help me?" And so like I, I jump on, you know, as the arbiter and and do it. So it's like you know that that being removed from it is yeah. kind of. Um, disappointing, but as far as that goes, the uh, there is a uh, kind of a drop in, drop out kind of mechanic to right. uh, to this. So like you can still do that, but it's got to be online. Like you can still join in. Like I could still technically join into one of your matches yeah. and drop in for a mission that was really hard, yeah. and then you know leave, and you wouldn't be affected at all. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of collectibles um, in this game, which is really cool. You know, there's always intel and stuff like that. But um, I, I think they. Whereas before, I don't remember Intel 
I think it did something in Halo ODST, like you could read text. Or yeah. no, they were audio files in ODST. Right. Um, in Halo 3, they were like text files. Halo 4, I don't remember them being anything of any I any. I don't remember picking up much of them. I mean, if, if there was any text, it was maybe a sentence or two. So these are all um, audio files, and they're told from different perspectives, you know, from, like, the Covenant or Prometheans or uh, humans. And so, like, it's really cool the way that that works as well, and it it factors into the story. That's awesome. I mean, and and, uh, in the Halo universe, it's the Hunt the Truth, the Mm -hmm. podcast. Just Mm -hmm. finished up that uh, the other day, and it's amazing. If anybody hasn't heard the Hunt the Truth podcast, grab onto that, start from the beginning, listen to the the two seasons. Um, But do the audio files kind of feel a little bit like that? Not necessarily with the same characters, but the same kind of storytelling, or like what's you know what are these audio files really doing? It's pretty much you know like like any game, you know Bioshock or something else that you pick up an audio file and it's just kind of tell you know for each uh it's each level the audio files that you pick up kind of tell a story within that level cool so they give um, you context to where you're at the correct. location yeah like the location or what's or what's happened there or you know kind of what's going on in the story currently or what just happened before you were there or that's something cool. like that um yeah i mean so that's that's kind of the way uh those work um in halo 5 <sighs> The music, I was largely and oddly unimpressed by. Really? Uh, it's like, I, 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 down, I didn't download it. I use Apple Music. Um, and so I've been listening today to the Halo 5 soundtrack just to kind of get a feel yeah. for like what's going on actually here. And like there are some, some themes that whenever they play, I recognize. But I, th- I think the, the big difference is like in the main game, like the major Halo themes are not there. That's you know, weird. We're talking about you know like the 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 kind of monks kind of like song you know like the the that distorted kind of choir that, yeah that kind of sound that that's not there what um uh there's like a couple times whenever I I almost thought I was we were gonna go into like the um sentimental I can't I don't know what theme it is it's, I think it's probably like the Cortana and Master Chief theme or something like that and like you just don't hear that. St- iconic those iconic themes that we've heard for the past four games they're just not in this this soundtrack which is odd that is very odd because uh-huh. i mean i remember specifically liking the soundtrack in halo 4 well halo 4 yeah like halo 4 they made a big deal about it they even like you know so, so they released uh a part one disc of the soundtrack or download and they also uh, part two then they came out with the the deluxe edition with had which had additional tracks on it it was like basically the the part one with additional tracks yeah and then they came out with a halo four remixes album where different uh different people and artists and djs remixed the the songs from halo four and so like it the the score and music was a big deal with Halo Four, but Halo Five is just like it's there, but it's it's nothing special. And it kind of disappointed me. Like while I was playing, I was like, you know, I, I haven't, you know, because we would be having a, a cut scene with a really cool like something's happening, you know, and and you wanted to hear one of those iconic themes come through, and it just didn't, it never materialized, never happened. Like you hear it at the title screen. And you hear it in the end credits. It's weird that they would use it in those two places, but they wouldn't use it in like uh, it, to elicit. Um, emotion out of you somewhere in the storyline yeah. or somewhere in the plot because it's like that's one of those things that every time they've used it in the past on any game that you just kind of sit back and you get chills you know where it's like oh my gosh I can't believe you know so it's just weird that that's not there that it's, it's strangely absent um, but they're using it in the title screen and they're using it in the end credits so it's not like they didn't think about putting it in somewhere it's just that it they didn't put it in in the uh, 
you know, in, in any of the main storyline, which yeah. is strange. I mean, so well, I mean, you think about it, you know, this is a, a game. The first Halo came out in 2001. And so this is this is something that we've been playing for 14 years now. Yeah. And uh, and so like, yeah, there's there's a lot of um, you can pack a lot of emotion into this game or a game with music. And it. it's, it's just it's I don't know. It's just odd. It was something to note. Um, I wouldn't like dock a bunch of points from the score for, of the game, you know, because of it. But it was just kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know why that decision was made. Um and and I don't want to you know I'm not saying that it negatively impacted the the game, um, but it didn't add to it where it could have. Right, right. Um, so then, uh, you know, music aside, what about like in, in Halo? A lot of times, uh, the sound design is mm. really important. I mean, the 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 sound of the lasers and and just the the sound of a sword lighting mm. up. Mm-hmm. How does that feel this time around? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels really good. I think they remade a lot of the sounds, um, uh, but but it still feels good. Uh, the uh, the audio mix like I I ended up turning down I think the sound effects because like the default like level of them is too hot. Gotcha. Um, I think they everything like music, dialogue, and then sound effects they all like start at ten, mm. and so I think I turned my sound effects down um, to uh, to seven to balance it out because uh, with that like some of the uh, some of the sound effects like they have all these like really high piercing like Oof. yeah um, and it's not like it's it's low quality, you know. I think sometimes on the 360, you got had like if you had high sounds, it would just sound garbly, kind of like you're listening to an MP3. Right. Um, but it didn't sound like that. It was just like this is just like overbearing for no reason. Right. Know? Right. Um, so I just bumped that down, and then you know, like the the mix for the rest of the time felt really, really good. Sound effects great, voice acting great. Um, characters are great. Nathan Fillion's in this thing. Yeah. Uh, I'll well, talk he was about in a ODST too. Right. And it's, he's the same character. Yeah. So he's the ODST from Halo three ODST and he's now a Spartan. Nice. And he's, he's, uh, he's with Spartan lock. Cool. And, uh, I'll talk about the graphics for a second. This thing looks beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the best, um, looking games I would say on, uh, on the console in terms of like the cutscenes and motion capture, like some of this stuff, like I'm like, this looks real, you know, like I think with one of the first cutscenes, like you're in this room and I'm like, this room looks real. Maybe the person in it doesn't look real, but this room that you're there in looks real. And, yeah. uh, that's really, really cool. The, 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 the voice acting along with the, uh, the good quality, uh, cut scenes and graphics and stuff like that. Like it really draws you in. It keeps you engaged. Um, it, you know, a lot of times, you know, with the games, you know, like if it's bad cut scenes or something like that, you kind of just disengage a little bit and it's yeah. like, no, every single time this happens, you want to, to, uh, to see this and, and hear what they have to say. Loading screens. Loading screens are fast. Like they exist, um, in between each mission. Okay. And then they exist sometimes like, uh, I will say, like what what I kind of find odd, and I think this has been in the series before, but not to this extent. Is you know, f- if there's about to be a cutscene, you run up to an area and then it blacks out, cuts to black, right. and um, you kind of see a loading symbol for a second, and yep. then it goes in. And so, like, I specifically remember in Halo Three there was one of those, and I thought that uh, like whenever it happened, it's at the end of Halo Three. So I guess spoilers for the end of Halo Three. Whenever you're driving. Um, and like you're ramping across this exploding planet and you ramp your warthog off this cliff. Right. Yeah. And if you get to like, you're in the air and you get to a certain point and then it cuts to black. I, both times that I played through that campaign, I have thought that the game broke and like, (laughs) and that we were gonna have to start that level over. And I was so like upset. I was like, what? 
yeah. and then then the cutscene plays. So yeah, it does exist in previous games, but so that that isn't something that, that they well, avoided I mean, this time. No, that's not something they avoided, and it's kind of almost the same thing where it's like, why don't you just let me finish that like what I was just doing or what was yeah. just happening, you know? Instead of like cutting to us to a to a cut. Cut scene for a second, you know. Yeah, I mean, and that's maybe that's a, something we should have on a uh, topic later on. Is is maybe uh, you know, what's you know, do cutscenes uh, have a purpose anymore? Like, or or should should games use cutscenes? Because there's been a lot of games that haven't used cutscenes, and you know, they they don't go into that like a separate engine or whatever. There's no loading time, or and then there's other games that use cutscenes quite effectively. So yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of yeah. For instance, like a good example is this. This is using cutscenes, whereas like something like Arkham Knight. Everything is just in engine, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, they, I think you know they both have their place. Um, we, yeah, we that should be a topic. You should write that down. We'll okay. make that a topic. I'm, I'm going to write that down in All my right. phone, Chris. All right. Um, I think I'm about, about ready to go into the spoiler section, John. All right, Chris. It's counting down. Yep. So if you don't want to be spoiled oh, on the, definitely play this game. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, definitely play it. Yeah, definitely play this game. Um, if if you are a Halo lover, a first person shooter lover. Um, or, and if you like just great games, I did want to say real fast, um, there was news uh, that came out today that this is the, uh, the best selling Xbox one exclusive and, uh, it has the highest attach rate of any Xbox one exclusive game as well. Nice dude. That's awesome. Let me find the actual article real fast. That's amazing. Um, so, I mean, that just means that you know, everybody who has an Xbox one or a high, high percentage of the people who have Xbox ones have bought it on day one. I mean, that's not even counting what's going to happen around uh, the holiday season, whenever everybody else ends up getting a halo. Um, I mean, that's, that's really good to know because I was kind of worried that maybe this game wouldn't sell, uh, as well as they hoped and we wouldn't get another, you know, hunt the truth style, right. uh, podcaster or marketing campaign because yeah. you know, all of that hunt the truth stuff, it was in a, uh, effort to increase sales on this game. So I'm glad it worked. So this is from IGN. It's an article by Alex Osborne. Uh, Halo five guardians is now the fastest selling Xbox one exclusive making Halo history with the biggest launch that the franchise has ever seen. According to Microsoft's announcement, 343 Industries' new shooter has raked in over $400 million worldwide across Halo 5 game and hardware hardware sales, elevating lifetime earnings for the entire series to over $5 billion. Wow. Additionally, Guardians was Xbox One's most played game during its opening week with the highest attach rate of any first-party title on the platform. Quote, the success of Halo 5 Guardians is a testament to the innovative work from the entire team at 343 Industries to bring the installment to Xbox One and the incredible community of fans who have come to love the story, characters, and gameplay central to the franchise. Head of Xbox Phil Spencer said the game represents all of the possibilities of Xbox One and has earned its place as the anchor title in the greatest holiday games lineup in Xbox history. Over 21 million hours of Halo 5 Guardians has already been played, with 12 million of those being spent solely on its campaign. The game's new requisition system has proven to be quite popular as well, with over 45 million rec packs having already been acquired. That's awesome. Yep. So that also means that you know none of the servers went down. I was I was watching. I kept my eye on the news for a lot of uh, that because back whenever three four three had done you know the Master, Master Chief, Chief collection. collection, there was just nightmares for like months. Yeah. Um, and you know it kept a lot of people from playing that game. And so I was curious about whether this game would would launch with those issues. Um, but it totally it looked like it was rock solid. Yeah. Um, I mean, they knew they couldn't do that again this time around to get yeah. away with it. Um, you know, you like. So it's one of those, you know, fool me twice, shame, yeah. on, shame on you, fool me twice, or fool me once, shame on you, 
put me twice shame on me. There it is. And so it's like, yeah, like yeah, if this happens again, it's just kind of like, oh man, well we're never buying your games again. Yeah, you know? it's or, it's over for that for that. It's not launch date for sure, dude. Um, so yeah. ready to dive into ready spoilers? Dive into spoilers that. Be, beware, it's happening. Spoilers are happening very soon yes. in five, four, three, two, one. Throw out a spoiler. Cortana is evil. What? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's a that's a plot twist. Yeah, it is a plot twist. Do you care if I spoil this? No, not at all. In the room? All right. Not at all. Uh, so, we'll, I'm still we'll, going to play through this thing. Yeah, I'm we'll, so excited. We'll still play. So uh, the story, like, so let's, let's, let's talk for a second about this, the story. Okay. Um, there were uh, some some rumblings online last week after the game launched, and the story was nothing like the trailers that we've seen on television. Like those events in the trailers don't happen. That's wild. And in fact, like they really don't even represent either Master Chief or Locke's positions or how they behave in this game. Which is nuts because there's been numerous uh, people online or whatever that, that have been positing like, hey, what's this going to be like? What's yeah. this going to be about? About you know, and, and so, you know, it's nuts that it's not that. Um, I also... I mean, there, there's there's whist- like there's um, there's pieces of it and I, I'll talk about that in a second. But. I was It was hard for me, um, you know, because I was listening to Hunt the Truth, I was like trying to figure out where uh-huh. the uh, this campaign, like yeah. the, the, the Halo 5 campaign yeah. would fit with what they're saying on the, the like the advertisements and things like that, like where does that fit in you know into this hunt yeah. the truth podcast? And so like because the podcast is supposedly setting up some things that are going to happen in the game. Yeah. And so I, as I was listening through, I was like, this doesn't sound anything like what they're telling me that this game is, which yeah. is weird. Um, so I haven't fin- so yeah. I haven't finished season two of Hunt the Truth all the way through, but my goodness, I know, but I do know how it fits in. Um, and so the basic story, we'll, we'll go back to Halo 5. I'll tell you that in a second. So the basic story for Halo 5, um, Cortana is, uh, has um, gone and she's uh, gone to this uh, Forerunner installation and found and activated, started activating what we call the Guardians that are, they're basically hidden and buried um, in different par- places around the galaxy. Yeah. Planets underneath the ground, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, she has been able to cure ramp- her rampancy. Yeah. And so then has also recruited different AI from around the galaxy to join her. For instance, you encounter, it's a really, really cool idea, you encounter a planet where uh, the governor of the, the planet is a rampant AI. That's interesting. And he has control of the whole planet and it's mining colony and all this kind of stuff. And he has joined sides, sides with Cortana. Cortana is trying, like, she wants, I mean, she's obviously, like, she, she's been with Chief for so long. Like, she wants Chief to be with her and help her on this. Her idea is to use these guardians. This is major spoilers for this game. Yeah, go for it. Like, her idea is to use these guardians. We're in the spoiler section, Chris. I, I know. People people who are in this yes. have, have decided. They've already sealed their fates. Yeah. Her idea is to use the guardians as basically threats for people to not misbehave. So she, she, she wants to end war by saying, if you start causing problems, these guardians will just take you out. And it's, it's supposedly what the forerunners used to rule the galaxy years and years and years and years ago. Interesting. 
And so she's going to use that for this purpose. The Guardians are hidden underneath planets, and so these seismic events yep. that they talk about in Halo uh, Hunt the Truth. Yeah, so so this is also probably spoilers for Hunt the Truth if you yes. haven't finished Hunt the Truth. Yes. Um, and uh, so, so how it connects over, right. probably spoilers. So... Just want to throw that out there too. We're just deep in the spoiler yes. this episode, Chris. There, there are, there are the seismic events are the guardians coming out of the ground. It's amazing, and um, basically transporting to wherever. Like you, they, they, she gathers them in this place, and it's like so far out in deep space. There's no comm traffic. You're not even close to anything, and you can't get there unless you like hop on one of the guardians. Um, and so that's that's the the seismic events that are destroying like cities and stuff like that. Like it's the guardians that are under the ground coming out and then like transporting away. Um, so basically, like the beginning of so yeah, I guess the beginning of Cortana doing this out in deep space. If you remember in season one of Hunt the Truth, yep, um, uh, Mashak Maradi talks about uh, these crazy anomalies out in deep space right that's the be- that's the beginning of halo 5 yeah um and that's the timeline that we're looking at so and then so that's what whenever um chief is like in hunt season one of hunt the truth yeah chief they talk about oh he's you know a war criminal that sort of thing so uh, does that happen before uh the so, game so, well i think i think it must because that's not that's not something that happens in the game. Yeah. You don't go to the, and do what they're describing Chief do, uh, which is kind of a bummer. You'd hope that it would tie in a little bit better where, like, some of the things that you hear talk, you hear about Chief in the um, uh, podcast, you would end up being able to play that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, you just you don't, you don't see any of that. Um, and I don't know at what point, you know, like in season two of, of Hunt the Truth, they declare him dead at some point to UNSC. Like, I think that's whenever, like, it, he kind of, he decides to go after Cortana. They order him not to, but he and his fire team go do it anyway. So he's gone rogue, essentially. And, and, yes. Yeah. And, and and so that's whenever I think that they declare him dead in, in season two of Hunt the Truth. Um, so, yeah. But back to back to the, the story. Uh, it's uh, so One thing that I really like about the story is the fact that not only does it jump perspectives, and so you you see things from Locke's perspective and from Master Chief, and so rather than telling this very like one-sided and uh, one-person-focused story where you don't really see the larger context, you see the larger context. That's cool. And you, you see what's going on, and you deal with things on the, in, the Infinity and with Locke and with Master Chief and with, you know, like from seeing like what Cortana is doing from both sides, you know, like basically like kind of what's happening and how this is affecting the galaxy is really, really cool. So how does that gameplay work? Does it work like where you play through um, a certain period of time as master chief and then you go back and play it as Locke, or is it kind of you jump back and forth, but nothing really overlaps or is it some things overlap, but not everything. Um, Most things do not overlap. Okay. Uh, It's really cool. The way that um, it works in terms, you know, like some Locke is going after master chief basically and uh, and going after Cortana at the same time, like pr- the primary goal is to get to rescue, like rescue the Master Chief. Like they see him as in trouble from like that. Cortana is going to um, uh, hurt him in some way. Yeah, which is where all of the marketing is like odd, you know. Yeah, yeah, like none of that. And, and so hunt they, the truth, folks. They're so they're going to rescue him. Yeah, and so whenever they start getting closer, you know, like you'll go through an area as Master Chief, but then. 
you'll go through it as Locke and then experience a bunch of resistance and you have to fight through it because Cortana does not want Locke to get to Master Chief. Interesting. Um, and so, and she's controlling a lot of the Promethean, like, uh, you're basically in these Forerunner installations, which were the, uh, I, f- I, f- I forget what the Prometheans were created for, but I think they were created for basically a, um, um, uh, security for these Forerunner installations and for the Forerunners. And so she activates a lot of these Prometheans um, and the boss um, that you fight several times. So this is, he is uh, a Promethean, some kind of like AI slash uh, Promethean that is protecting Cortana. He's there. His mission is to protect Cortana. Hmm. And um, they mi- I don't know really what he is because they mentioned several times that he is not um, – not full Promethean or something like that. Like, and, and so like you destroy different bodies and he's able to like, just inhabit different, like new bodies. Interesting. You encounter the first, can encounter him the first few times and beat him. The way to beat him is like, there's a, just a spot on his back. You basically have to be behind him. So my, like the, if you're playing single player, the best way to do it is to like, just draw his fire, you know, aggro him Get him coming after you, and then order your team. Which so you can you can order your team around to go to different locations or to That's focus cool. fire on different enemies. To order your team to to fire and hit um, the boss. I should have talked about that gameplay mechanic earlier in the non spoiler section. But you can order your team around, and so it was like okay, draw his him toward you, have them be behind him and shoot him in the back, and, and yeah. that's the best way to take him down. The way that they ramp that up in terms of uh, fighting him later on in the story, all they do is duplicate him. And so... And so, so there's of, multiple? Yeah, instead of fighting one, you're fighting two. And instead of fighting two, you're fighting three. And so eventually you're fighting five. And so that's really the only way that they're ramping up. He doesn't change forms or anything like that. <laughs> that seems like a really, like... It seems like a cheap way it is. to make it harder. It is cheap. And, and, you know, so that part is just kind of like, ah, not my favorite, but, yeah. you know, whatever. The... um the other interesting mechanic that I should have talked about earlier is is the uh, the revive mechanic. So you can basically be downed, and then if you call for help, your teammates will come try to revive you, and you can revive them as well. So like, once cool. you're dead, you're not just dead, which is cool. You can be revived. But what's hilarious is you know like if you have like a it, say you're you're killed by an elite that's just standing there, and you just got killed, and all you call for help instead of coming up and dealing with the elite, and then and then. Um, healing you, like your team will just like run up and just like ignore the elite standing right over your body and try to revive you while the elite just beats them down and then they go down <laughs> as well. It's just like there's like no oh, thought in putting the AI for these secondary characters. That's really funny. in terms of just like self preservation and yeah. what's the best course of action. Well, I remember like uh, back in the day, like Wolfenstein 3D. I remember like whenever you would like lure one person out, like yes. you'd like walk into a room, shoot your gun and then back out through the door and wait for them one by one to come over and like to open this door and to step into the room. And even if there's like a pile of, 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 you know, digital dead bodies laying there in the door, keeping the door open, they would still just walk over and stand right there and be surprised to see you. So like, I, I mean, you know, we, we have advanced a little ways from that, but still yeah. come on AI yeah. self-preservation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of that, that boss gameplay is weird. Um, the way it sets up the next one is like, you know, she basically has control of these guardians. You're able to rescue master chief, um, because she does take him and she's going to take him with him. He doesn't, he doesn't, um, agree with her plan to basically force 
peace on everyone yeah. through through uh, un, you know the threat of death basically and she basically says you know well you're wrong you'll see and tries to just take him and just keep him with her until he understands you know and so you, you uh, you're able to rescue him and she goes and does her thing hmm. um and it, and then jumps she like for some reason she's obsessed with the infinity the the ship um, from the first game, interesting, and well, several games. So she jumps to the infinity and finds it, and immediately uh, uh, sh- sh- makes one of the guardians start shutting, like just releases shockwave. The infinity is able to jump away real fast. Shockwave basically um, cripples the entire UNSC fleet. Wow, along with Earth. Um, shuts off all the basically any EMP. Shuts off all the power and everything. And, wow! Uh, but the Infinity is able to jump away, and the AI on the Infinity is like, "What are we? You know, what are we doing?" And he's like, the, "The captain says something like, we're we're going to run inst- until we can figure out how to fight.'" And so it's, it re- felt like a very Battlestar Galactica yeah. kind of thing. Like it's like this is the last ship of the fleet, and they're running from Cortana, who can be anywhere because she's an AI. Right. And uh, they're running from, from Cortana until they can figure out how to beat her. Meanwhile, you've got um, Locke, who's just rescued uh, Master Chief, uh, and uh, I mean, they'll have to get back from the place that they're at, but like they'll, 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 they're they'll going to go after Cortana for sure. Yeah. And um, the, 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 the climactic fight with Cortana is really cool with um, you basically like there was the guilty spark uh, monitor um, in the first few Halo games. Well, there's a a female guilty uh, not guilty spark, but she's a monitor. I forget what her name is, but she's a monitor on this Forerunner installation, and um, she helps you kick Cortana out of this this installation and take her power away so that you can rescue Master Chief. And it's it's just a really cool thing. And yeah, they leave it open ended. You know where yeah. like you know the the whole. The whole game, from Chief's perspective, is you're going after Cortana. You find her. She's just not what you thought she would be. Yeah. And um, and from Locke's perspective, you're going after Master Chief, and you end up rescuing him. So that that arc comes to a close. The other one comes to a close too, just not happily. And but then it leaves well, it, it leaves it in a very dramatic place. Oh yeah. For I mean, the next game. Yeah, it pulls it pulls it. You know where things are somewhat resolved, but like the overall kind of thing is not resolved. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean. And, you know, and I honestly like whenever I think about it in terms of the the larger Halo story. You know, I've played every single Halo from Halo One all the way till now. Yeah. And whenever I think about it in terms of the larger Halo story, I'm like, this is one of my favorite stories. I think that they've told. That's good. And, and it's it's very clear as to what's happening. At one point, you know, like you're you're locked and you go like you go fight with the Arbiter, which is really cool. Like you get to you get to do everything basically in this game like that you That's really awesome. want to do. That's you awesome. get to fly things, you get to do tanks, you like you get to do, you know, some some cool like hallway combat, you, you know, basically the only thing that's not in this is the flood and I'm really glad cuz I hate the flood. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the, whenever the flood would show up in the first three games you're, you're just like, like, "Oh no." Yeah, you're like, "Oh no, not again." Well, I remember whenever I played the first game, you know, I was like, "Oh man, what is going on?" And it's like, you know, they come out of nowhere and it was frightening uh-huh. and it's like new and all this kind of stuff and and then the second one you're like oh not again and you're like you know you yeah, just kinda, I know these guys yeah you just fight and then by the third one you're just like oh come on like this is so it's like you pull old. out your shotgun and you're like all right let's just get yeah, this over with like, I don't even 
like these guys yeah, anymore. Let's, let's just rip this Band-Aid off and we're, we're good to go. Yeah. Um, so something I did want to ask, the length of the game. Oh, so I, I, I did it on uh, normal difficulty and uh, finished it in eight hours. Nice. Uh, our, uh, our friend Josh Fulton, Fultron, at Fultron on Twitter. You can find him um, on YouTube and uh, Twitch and Beam as well. Yep. Uh, but he, uh, he completed about the same amount of time, so eight hours. Eight hours is basically like on a normal difficulty. On Legendary, it would be a lot harder because it takes a lot more strategy to go into these areas. Yeah. You know, even, even on le- uh, normal, there's some, like, some weapons. Um, I'm talking like the sniper rifles and all that kind of stuff. They're one-shot uh, downs. There's no... Gotcha. Well, and some of them are actually one-shot kills because um, they would uh, just like eat through my armor. Yeah. And, and health. And so, um, yeah, I mean, eight hours if you're playing through on normal. Honestly, like, it, normal was easy. As far yeah. as normal goes, normal was crazy easy. Yeah. But uh, legendary was substantially harder. And honestly, I don't know that I would enjoy playing legendary unless I was playing with somebody else. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we'll definitely have to play yes. you, me, I will. I will say, you know, like, I think legendary is the way to go. Like, harder... Is not always the way to go. Like for Call of Duty, like you kind of have to break the game. Like I say, and and you kind of had to do that really with, do. with with older Halos, like where you just like you're you're behaving and playing, and you do this with Destiny too. You know, you're behaving in a way that you wouldn't normally behave with this game in order to um, in order to beat it. Right. Um, whereas uh, in Halo Five, it doesn't. You would probably you would have to do that if you were playing by yourself, but it, like. It really just kind of takes a little more um, strategy, right? You know, I don't think you have to like. You're not going to be just sniping from forever away yeah. every single time. And even in Halo Four, I remember on Legendary, whenever you and I played through it, it wasn't like ridiculous. Um, it was more like um, occasionally, like there were, there would be rooms where it would be like, okay, I'm going to stay here. You go run out there, you know, yeah. and and see what you can clear. The, out. Dif- the difference is, you know, where like you would. Oh, what would happen is you would respawn back by your right. Your buddy. This time you just go this down. Time you go down, and yeah. someone's got to come get you. You know. Yeah, and so you know that's kind of a a destiny esque kind of thing. Um, and speaking of, I did want to say that whenever this game launched, I definitely saw less players in Destiny. Oh, really? Like, it was like stark. Like there were people that were in Destiny, and then you know, the next day after this had come out, it's like nobody was in destiny. that's amazing about four people on my friends list were in destiny so um so you know speaking to how many players and in, in the install base of this game it's it's gigantic that's awesome um so i think that about covers everything that i was curious about with this thing yeah. do you want to rate it yeah i'm gonna give this game i would say i would give this uh nine out of ten that's awesome that's awesome um i'm really excited to play it man and and it excites me that um, the story is that like good because yeah. a lot of times, like I remember in some of the other ones, you're like, you have a, a general idea of yeah. what you're doing and like why you're in specific locations. But it seems like in this one, you kind of know a little bit better um, yeah, and, and shorter and sweeter, maybe a little bit more, um, like if, if it's, it, it seems like it's a little bit shorter than uh, some of the other campaigns yeah. were. And, but that doesn't mean it's less quality. It could mean it's better quality because you know, it's more, uh, more content for a shorter period of time. I would say, you know, like the, the, the games, the halo games that the story really shines on is obviously the first halo. I would say halo three and now halo five. Yeah. Um, halo two, the story gets really muddy. You're not really sure what you're doing, even though you are, you are switching perspectives. Like right. in this one, like the context doesn't, doesn't feel like it's there. I mean, it's right. there. I mean, there's a lot of people who disagree with me. Oh, there's like a lot of people that think halo two is the best halo. Right. And, 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 
I, I would agree if, if the, if the story was a larger story they were trying to tell. Um, and then Halo ODST is just kind of like stuck in there. Um, Halo, Halo four, Halo four felt a lot of times, you know, like why, like, what am I doing? You know, like, yeah. why are we here and what are we at? Like, we're, you know, yeah. they're, they're telling us, Cortana's telling us to go from this point to this point. Um, but why, you know, and like all this kind of stuff. And it, although it had a very emotional ending. Yep. Whenever, you know, it's basically like you believe Cortana to be dead. Right. And um, you just don't, you don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the legendary ending is is on this yet. Uh, the legendary ending of Halo 4, as you remember, you see uh, a part of, Master Chief's face. Yep. In uh, this one, I haven't beat it on Legendary yet, so we'll have to do that to see what the Legendary. I'm um, excited. Is. I'm excited to play this thing, man. I'm uh, I'm pumped. It's a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I always enjoy uh, Halo and enjoy Halo, you know, multiplayer, um, yeah. as in like co-op uh, yeah. campaign. Love yeah. it. But the story, so good, dude. Dude, I'm excited. Like, I really enjoyed it. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped to experience it, man. Yeah. So full disclosure, next week's going to be pre-recorded podcast. That's true. Um, because we are going to be out in uh, uh, Disneyland Woo-hoo! doing Run Disney. We're going to do the. Uh, the Avengers Marathon, the Infinity Gauntlet Challenge. It's the be Infinity the, Gauntlet Challenge. The Superheroes 5K, the Captain America 10K, and the Avengers Half Marathon. Have you seen the medals, Chris? I have. Oh, Wait, oh my oh, I've goodness! Se- I've seen the I've seen the gauntlet yeah, medal. I haven't seen like, the other ones, dude. They're all awesome. Well, we'll have to look at it after uh, after we get I'm off the air. Super excited to go out there, and uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, we'll be out there at, at Disneyland in the area for about a week yep. or so. Um, but yeah. we'll still there will still be a show. There will be a show. So stay tuned for. That we'll be talking about the uh, the Supergirl season premiere and and uh, second episode as well. Yes, on um, CBS. Yeah, and what? Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Chris Wright two five zero and John Wright seven seven seven. And uh, on Instagram, I think it's same, the same thing. Chris Wright two five zero. You can check out our pictures of the races there. There's going to be lots of pictures. Oh, um, yeah. We created the hashtag back in January whenever we ran uh, yes. some of the races down in uh, Orlando, yes. Florida in January. Uh, we created the hashtag. Hashtag rights run Disney, so W R G H T run Disney, um, yes. because the events are put on by the Run Disney organization yes. or whatever. Um, so check out that hashtag if you want all of our awesome photos yep. uh, of the races and uh, and that sort of thing. And you know, there's not only going to be this event, but uh, Catherine and I are actually going to do in January doing those races again ah, nice, uh, down dude. in Orlando. So it'll be a fun time That's there. Awesome. So yeah, dude, so excited. But you can find us online at SanTargetPodcast.com. We already said our Twitters at Sam Target Pod for Stay on Target. Um, you can uh, also check out Air on Target and Flash on Target. We do yeah. those every single week and find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe, leave us a review, all that friendly stuff. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.